Welcome to Downton. Hello there. Emma speaking. Welcome to Shall We Go Through, the Downton Abbey fan podcast. What? 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 Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Well, yeah, we're still in January, so I can still say Happy New Year. I hope you are doing well, that you had a lovely holiday time, like nice Christmas, nice New Year. I'm sorry for this little gap between like last episode and this one. I was ill and like I said last episode, I kept coughing all the time and <laughs> well, it was a bit annoying. So I decided to wait a bit until I am like much, much better to record this episode. And now I am. And I am really excited because we are entering the part, like the end of season four, but the part that I like. You know, I told you that season four is probably my least favorite because of the first episodes. Well, actually, it's just I don't like Tony Gilligan and he gets on my nerves. So now, well, we're still going to see him, but a bit less anyway. But I really do hope you are well. I wish you all the best for 2023. And I'm really happy to start this year with you. Like, yeah. And I promise you, like, I really, really got organized and technically... I will have the episodes ready because actually I'm really excited to uh, end season four because I like, I really love those episodes that are coming and I really like season five. So I'm really excited actually to go back on the regular uh, schedule and yeah, to talk with you because I have a lot of things when I watch it. So I'm like, I need someone to like discuss with me because some things I don't understand okay so I'm really excited to get your thoughts on some storylines or stuff like usual I I will tell you when I need someone to like lighten me on something okay yeah so (laughs) I'm gonna start the intro and start talking about episode six of season four of Downton Abbey that I called the one with Robert's birthday I feel like it's the only birthday that we actually celebrate on the show. Now I'm not really sure. But I believe it's the only one. Anyway, so, well, let's start, shall we? I'm going to start with Alfred. And of course, I love Square. And thank God it's nearly <laughs> the end. Well, actually, not quite. But like, we are approaching the end of this love square because even I am tired of it, really. But so, you know, Alfred, he uh, wanted to get into a, to a course in the Ritz in London to become a cook and he didn't get in and so now he's a bit like a bit down. You know, at the beginning of the episode, it's um, in the servants hall, like the servants are having breakfast and Alfred is getting special treatment by Daisy. Well, they say he's not, but he is because she's really happy because he's staying at Downton. So he's not going, you know, in London. Because obviously Daisy, she didn't want him to leave because she loves him. But like I said, he's a bit, you know, down with all this cooking thing because, well, that's what he wanted to do. So obviously he would be a bit, yeah, sad about not getting into the course. And Daisy, she is cooking and she asks him if he he wants to watch. And he's like, no, thank you. (laughs) Like, no, um, I'm okay. So he's sad. But then he receives a letter. That says that he got in after all. Like one of the candidates like dropped out and he was the fifth. And so he got in. So that's great. And I like this scene because they're all really pleased for him. 
really you see it like they're all in uh, the servants' hall around the table and they're all pleased. You see Mrs. Papmore, Miss Baxter, Anna, Bates, Carson, Mrs. You, everyone, Ivy, just Daisy, but obviously we know why, but everyone is happy for him. And I think it's really sweet why everyone except Jimmy. That's another reason why I don't like Jimmy. He's really, like, he's, I don't think he's really a nice guy because he teases Daisy. Obviously, she is not feeling okay about him leaving. And he asks her, are you not going to congratulate him? And everyone is around the table, like you see even Bates and uh, Mrs. Padmore. And, you know, having their face, like, do you really have to bring that up? You know, because they all know, you know. And obviously Daisy, she doesn't feel worse for Mrs. Padmore. I just love how Mrs. Padmore, she tries to protect her from, like, having her heart broken. Which, I mean, she already has her heart broken. What I love also is when Daisy leaves... Ivy, she leaves with behind her and she wants to comfort her, but it doesn't work. I just love how Jimmy, he's always like not nice with Alfred and how Carson, he always puts him back in his place, you know, because Alfred, he's nervous. Obviously, I mean, he's going to a city that he doesn't know. He's going to start a course that he has missed a bit and, you know, he has a lot, lot to learn. So obviously he would be nervous. And Jimmy, he has to, when I say something not really nice, like, you know, what is it to be nervous about? And I just love how Mr. Carson puts him back in, in his place, saying that he's nervous because he's intelligent, you know, <laughs> only foolhardy are not nervous. And I just love when he says that and you see the face of everyone, you know, Miss Baxter, Mrs. Papo, Anna, like, you know, you like you had it coming, Jimmy, you know. Well, you know, where I stand with Jimmy, I don't really like him, but I thought it was really funny. I think it's sweet that Ivy wants to comfort Daisy because she knows that Daisy likes Alfred. But the thing is, it's a bit, a bit her fault. No, it's because she doesn't like him back that Alfred wants to leave. So Daisy, she doesn't like her. And so it's complicated because I believe that they could have been friends, you know, Daisy and Ivy. But it's just, yeah, they're all in love with the wrong people, you know. I do feel bad for Daisy, though. Then, oh, I love this scene. So our friend, he got in. So he says that he would like to leave the sooner he can. And so he will leave the next day. So that night, when the family are in the drawing room after dinner, Robert, he comes in late because he was in London anyway. And so our friend, he thanks them. And I really love this scene because I think it's really sweet. Even the family when says that they are proud of him. And Mary says he must come back one day as a famous chef. I think it's really sweet. And Alfred saying that he was well treated in his house. Like, I, I think that's nice. Like, Jimmy would have never done that. So uh, that's why I quite like Alfred a bit. I think this is really sweet. And I just love then when he says Carson has been a very, like, kind teacher, you know. <laughs> like, they're all shocked. I just love everyone's reaction. But you see that Carson, he's surprised, but he's been moved by that. But just love Robert's like, well, if you say more, you know, we, we shall all burst into tears. But I think it's sweet. I really think it's sweet. And then another funny thing to go back to, like the love square, not just Alfred. In a servant's home, Jimmy, he talks with Ivy and he says that he wants to take her to the pictures, see a movie. And Miss Papmore, she asks him, what are you going to see? And so, so it's a movie called The Shake. And in this movie, there is an actor called Rudolf Valentino. And just this makes me laugh every time well, I don't know what makes me laugh the most if, if it's Mrs. Papmore or Carson's reaction because Mrs. Papmore she says 
I like that Rudolph Valentino. He makes me shiver all over. What a very disturbing thought. I think what I love the most is when Carson says that Mrs. Hughes, when she looks at him like, oh, come on. I don't know. I think it's funny. But so Alfred is leaving. He's saying everyone goodbye. I think it's just so sweet. that Everyone is just, you know, so pleased for him and wants to say goodbye. Even Jimmy says goodbye, even if he like, you know, doesn't really like him. I think it's really sweet. And so he wants to say goodbye to Daisy. And Alfred she doesn't want to look at him because she's, well, she's sad, obviously. But I just love this scene because then she wishes him good luck and it's sweet. And so Alfred leaves. But so, to go back to Jimmy and Ivy, you know, going to the pictures, they come home, stack outside, you can see the moon, like it's kind of romantic. Really, I think, at first you think this may be, something can come out of it, maybe, because, you know, he took her to theatre, he took her to pictures, like, in the end, you feel like, oh, maybe he really likes her too now, you know. And they sit on a bench outside. And they kiss. But at first he really looks like really romantic. But then he starts like touching her leg. And so obviously she gets up because she's like, what the hell are you doing? And he's angry. Literally, the guy says, well, I've been nice to you. Like I've taken you to the theater to picture like I've never been nice to any girl before. It's like, uh, okay, like, am I supposed to feel lucky? Like, <laughs> what does this mean? And literally he says that it's not nice to go out with a man and giving nothing in return like you know because he's been nice to her she's supposed to give something in return like okay and so obviously she lives i mean obviously i mean okay guy like this way of thinking is absolutely like disgusting back then well like your virtue is like technically one of the most important thing you have as a young woman you're like what the hell I actually really like this in how she, you know, at first you see she's happy to be with him. Then everything shifted because she's like, what the hell are you doing? And I mean, I'm so glad that it happened like that because Jimmy, he just needs to have like, you know, just a slap in the face someday. Like just, yeah. Anyway, and then she is in the kitchen with Mrs. Hughes and Mrs. Patmore and Daisy and she says, what happened? And so Mrs. Hughes asks her if she's not her. She says, no, but like, yeah. Like she says, he asked for things that no man should ask before they're married. <laughs> and I just love how Mrs. Patmore and Mrs. Hughes, they know, like they know people, they know men, like they know of the word. I just love them. Like the both of them, they're just so funny. And so Ivy obviously said, well, I thought, you know, he was so nice, but I never thought it was because he was looking for something in exchange, you know. And obviously, because we don't see it, but she might be very very young too because when daisy arrived she must have been like 14 or something like that so she might be maybe 16 like 15 16 so obviously like she doesn't know anything about the word and so so this point is like yeah um there's a lot of women that you know that have been tricked by that anyway but then so now she has seen that jimmy is not a nice person and that he was only nice to her because he was waiting for something else in exchange but then she says that Alfred would have never done that, which is true. Alfred would have never done that. But the fact that she says that, it makes Daisy angry. Because she's like, well, okay, so now you care about Alfred and you realize that he was nicer man than Jimmy when it's because of you that he left. So he left down with a broken heart and, you, and you break my heart because you made him drive away. So please don't say, like, I don't care about your good opinions on Alfred. I can understand her a bit you know because um 
Well, it's true. I mean, you can't, like, I don't think you can make someone fall in love with you, but, like, if maybe if Ivy would have realized that, yes, Afro was a better man than Jamie, maybe none of this would have happened. But anyway, I just find it funny that she is a bit surprised by Daisy's reaction, but I just love him. She's like, well, you had it coming. And she kind of had, like, she, it felt like she just changed her tune, like, easily. Like, when she realized that Jimmy's not a nice guy, she said, oh, maybe Alfred was actually better. We're like, yeah, but that's a bit too late. So, yeah, I think this whole thing is sad, you know. I mean, it was bound to not end well for anyone because well, they were all in love with the wrong people. But, like, the whole thing is sad, you know, because then no one is happy here. Well, actually, Alfred is kind of is because now he's going to do what he really wanted to do. But, like, Daisy's heartbroken. Ivy is not feeling really good right now as well. Jimmy, well, we don't really care about how Jimmy feels, so yeah. But yeah, the whole thing is kind of, is quite sad because I do believe that Ivy and Daisy could have been friends. But like, yeah, I think it's gonna be hard for Mrs. Patmore because she would she would be in the middle of Daisy and Ivy and to work it. Yeah, poor Mrs. Patmore. Like she has a lot to put up with. But I never liked Jimmy, and this makes me like him even less i don't know about you but he just confirms that jimmy is not really a nice guy so alfred is leaving but actually alfred has left now remember the last time they thought alfred was leaving carson he asked mosley to come and mosley is what he was at first like um no i don't want to come like you know, because I would be a footman, I was a valet and a butler, like, no. But then in the end, he wanted to come, like, he accepted, but Alfred was not leaving anymore. And so now Mrs. Jesus, she asked Carson, she said, well, you know, now that Alfred is leaving, are you going to ask Mosley to come? And Carson's like, uh, why? And even <laughs> Miss Baxter, she's like, but won't you need him now? And said, well, I will be in need of a footman, but, like, do I want him? I mean, he was not really keen to go come back, so I'm not sure I want to ask him to come. And Mose actually comes to the house because he was working uh, down Melling the Road, I think something um, near the train station. So he saw Alfred, who said that he was leaving. So he said, "I'm going to come to downtown because I said I would like I agreed to come back, and that Alfred is leaving now. I can, you know, come." And well, Catherine's like, "Well, no." I don't want to and so mostly he's a bit surprised like but I said you know I was ready to come it's like yeah but you know you were like not really glad to come not really happy you know it was really more like okay I do it and Cassidy really wants people that that really wants to work there so he says that he doesn't want him anymore so mostly obviously he's surprised <laughs> because it's not what he expected and then uh, one night he talks with Mrs. Hughes and Mrs. Papmore and he asks if, you know, Carson has changed his mind and he hasn't. And he feels really bad because, you know, even said, I, I thought he valued my caution. And Mrs. Hughes like, you know what, I'm going to make you some tea and I'm going to try to find a solution. Now, do you feel really bad for Mosley? Like, a part of you said he, he should have accepted right away, but I can understand him a bit when you were literally a valet and a butler to go back as a footman and especially that he there's a chance that he might be only second footman and not first footman so he would be like even behind jimmy 
So, yeah, and you have, like, technically, Thomas is his superior. Like, I can understand that, it, it, you know, it might be difficult for him. But, oh, Mrs. Hughes, she has an idea. Mrs. Hughes, she has ideas, you know. Like, she, she is a very resourceful person. And once he comes back to Downton, he comes back to serve the servant's tea. And it's Mrs. Hughes who has sent for him because, say, well, Miss Parmore has so much to do, you know, it's best if she doesn't have to serve servant's tea. And Carson's like, serve the servant's tea? Like, what? what is it? So then obviously it's like, okay, okay, I give in, I give in, take your livery, take your gloves, okay. <laughs> obviously, mostly he's really happy, but I just love how Mrs. Hughes, she's, he's kind of proud of her, like, <laughs> she knew exactly that he would give in. Like, I just love it. I think he's pretty funny. But I just love when you have all this, um, when she says, you know, he's not a proud man. He just wants to help. And you see Thomas in Baxter, like, they know exactly that she kind of make all that so that Carson would give in. Like, I know you could feel it in the way they react to what Mrs. Hughes said. I think it's really funny. But so then in the end, Mosley, he is back at Downton as a footman. But he's back and we are happy because we love Mosley. And so he serves at dinner. And I just love it because Violet, she's so happy to see him. I just love how Violet, she loves Mosley. Like, I don't know. I think she doesn't really care about any servants. Like, she cares about Mosley. Like, I don't know what, like, really. If you have, like, a theory, my friend has the craziest theory about that. I don't even want to say that to you because, yeah, I don't want, maybe, maybe, one day I do an episode of all like the crazy theories that people had because I've read some crazy stuff. Oh, that should make a great episode. Tell me if you would be interested about that. I can make a... No, when I will. First, I would finish like the whole show and stuff. But like, I would like to hear your thoughts. Like why, why Violet likes Mosley so much? Because, yeah, like she's so happy. She's like, oh, Mosley, I'm like, I'm so happy to see you and... Yeah, I just up when Mosley like, well, uh, I suppose I, must, I should get used to be called Joseph now because as a footman, he would be called by his first name. And I just love Robert's Violet's face. It's like, oh my God. Oh my God, please no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, we can't, we can't, we can't have that. Thank you. And so Robert, he asked Carson if they could continue to call Mosley, Mosley. And you see Carson's reaction. He's like, first, what did you say to them? So that did say that. And then you see that he does not really approve, but he's like, do I have any choice? No. So, <laughs> okay. But just find it very funny. And I really want to know why Violet cares about Mosley that much. Or maybe she actually cares about his father. And so he, she cares about like, I don't know. Tell me what you are thinking, please. Now, let's talk about Edith. And this is not a fun part. Like, I feel sorry for Edith. Like, I think half the show, I feel sorry for Edith. And I have a lot of thoughts and about what Edith, her behavior and stuff. And that, that's, that is something I would love to talk with people that want to talk about it with me. But yeah, let's just start. But you know, Michael Gregson left for Germany and she has no news. Like, she doesn't know where he is. And, you know, she went to a doctor. Like, yeah. And at breakfast, there is no post for her. But you see, in a way, it is like she, it's been a while that she hasn't received anything and that she's worried. And then we see her make a phone call. Now, apparently, Micra has vanished. And Cora, she tries to comfort her, saying, you know, if something happened, we would have heard. But it is like, yeah, but I have no news. So 
something might have happened like we don't know anything like the issue is that she doesn't know anything and after dinner she receives a letter and remember when Rosamond said to her that she might feel very sorry later well we know now why she went to the doctor because in the letter it says that she is pregnant that she's actually in the first trimester of pregnancy so problem like yeah this is uh yeah and i just think it's sweet that when she got the letter they all um like the family goes into the drawing room and robert is like waiting for her like he's about to enter the drawing room but then when he sees that she had a letter he's waiting for her. i think it's sweet because i think they are finally now a bit like taking like you know i'm not gonna say never took care of edith but it always felt like they never really were interested about what happened to her like no one happened and so he's finally uh, nice to see that they you know they are really worried for her and well they know the whole thing by my correction but i just find it really sweet and then actually edith is crying alone in the library and robert comes in and i think it's a very sweet scene i just when he comes in and saying my most darling girl and she's like but i'm not and i love her comment on um when he says i love my children equally and he says yeah i don't know why people say that when it's usually not true and i think this should like tell them she feels completely like ignored and unloved and maybe some people might find uh, like irritating but it's just it's how she feels so it's up to them so her parents to make her feel that no like she is loved and you know like they care about her because it's i think it's very sad pretty and so they talk about to michael because she doesn't know anything and he says, well, i'm sure he's not dead like, well, but the, the thing is you can't be sure i'm not sure and i want to know i want to know if he's i don't know like hurt or imprisoned or i don't know or dead because it's worse to not know than to know the worst which i agree with her because now first she's pregnant so problem and she doesn't know what to do like she doesn't know if i mean if he's dead then i think she could plan better if she knew she he was dead but she's kind of like but what if he's not and he comes back and like well this is the worst thing to not know like she doesn't know what to do because she's in a impossible situation right now and plus the man that she loves and wants to marry and who wants to marry her she doesn't know if he's still alive or if he's ever coming back like i can understand that and i feel really sorry for her and i like this scene i think is really sweet because well he, really you see that sometimes you know robert is not completely blind he has seen that she's not feeling well and he even, even says that do you want me to send like someone over there and she said that they already sent detective so that's when you realize that this is really serious like the guy really has vanished if there is detective somewhere like no one knows where he is like it just i already said it but this does not sound good like you you feel it i already said like the whole him going to germany already doesn't sound like good so yeah but this and actually made me think about a scene that actually was cut in the first episode of season one when you know patrick had died on the titanic and we knew that edith loved him there was a scene that was cut where she was crying in the library i think it was in the library yeah with robert because they both maybe were the one that i love patrick the most and i thought it was sweet and so it kind of makes me think about that uh because she's again crying in the library and her father tries to comfort her and so again it's very sad like all the men she loved are all dead or have left this is yeah i mean mary okay her husband is dead but like she had the chance to marry him to be a bit happy with him to have a child which 
make me now Edith she might have a child with him but ooh, oh my god <laughs> I do feel so sorry for Edith really like she just unlucky we can say maybe she makes like not the right choices but I do believe sometimes she just doesn't have luck as well but when I said that her parents know they see things during Robert's birthday Cora she sees that Edith is not well and I just love when he says what how do you know you know something's a matter and Cora says well because I'm your mother and I'm like yeah it's nice to tell her that you care about her because there's a lot of moments in her life that she thought that you didn't care so that's great but I just think it's sweet that she well obviously something is the matter you know she doesn't know where uh, the man she loves is and she is pregnant but she doesn't want to say anything to her mother and I think that because Cora is really worried and she doesn't want to say anything I can understand why because obviously this is not a good thing you know like being having a child without being married but I still believe that she should have said something to her mother we're going to talk about that a lot but even at that moment she should have said something or asked something or hinted back I don't know but I feel like it's Cora and she would have understand. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, and you know, parents that are being worried, they talk about it together. And again, I think nice that they really care about Edith now. Not that they never really did, but it always felt like they talk a bit more about Mary or Sybil. But Edith was like, you know, like when, Rob, when Robert said in season one, like, poor Edith, we never seem to talk about her. So I think it's quite nice and now they talk about her, even if it's a bit, you know. I actually talk about her that I'm worried because there's no news about Mr. Gregson. So this is a really tricky situation. Yeah, and I, I do feel bad for Edith. Like, poor Edith. I mean, we said it, but that, that's, that works with her. I don't know about what you are thinking. I know Edith, It's there's always usually two sides. I think there are like the Edith apologist and the Mary apologist. And usually you have to... Well, some people are like in between that are like both. But usually Edith, I think in Mary, is like there's two sides. There are the ones that really like Edith and the ones that really like Mary, I think. Um, tell me what you are thinking about this. But I do really feel sad for Edith. Especially because she evolves right now with... Her bigger sister that she always had, you know, troubles like, getting on with, who was married to the love of her life, who got a child and who now, I mean, she, you know, has a purpose with the estate and stuff. And then you have Tom, who was the husband of her sister, but who has a daughter. Like, it felt like she is the only, she's the one that has been left out, you know, even if she has her job with uh, the magazine stuff, she still feels left out. So I do feel sorry for her and yeah and it's weird because I like her storyline and I hate it at the same time like the whole storyline that we're going to enter with the thing about her being pregnant. I like it for some reasons and I hate it for others so yeah but I will explain you know <laughs> my thoughts when well every time we're going to talk about Edith in the future. Now for my favorite trio Violet versus Isabel with Dr. Clarkson. I just love him. This is, I just, I really love them three because each of them thinks Dr. Clarkson is on their side and Dr. Clarkson is always in the middle like, I don't know where to stand. <laughs> so you remember you had this storyline with young Peg who got a job thanks to Mrs. Crawley at the Dower House, was working uh, with the gardener, but there were a paper knife that got missing and Violet thought that he stole it. And so they decided to not sack him, you know. But Violet was still like, I'm pretty sure he stole it. And now 
apparently there is a little netsuke missing so it's a little like japanese fisherman like something very tiny and apparently very valuable that is missing and she asked sprat about it i actually love sprat's character like he senses that he is a snob and the way i just love the way he speaks i don't know i just lo- i really love him he, he makes me laugh and so he says that there was only like the maids and young peg that was here but the way he says it you know it's almost like it's probably him who took it like you know obviously very like she thinks okay no there's my paper knife that is missing now this and so then peg he's actually at crawley house with isabel and isabel she's furious because he has been dismissed and she says i don't know why and isabel she's really furious like and then just when peg leaves and he says well thank you ladyship is like she's like i'm not really you know what never mind she is so angry, so obviously she uh, has to go to talk to Violet. And and so Violet says, well, you know, there's my little Netsuki that is missing. And my paper knife, so I'm, I mean, you know, I just uh, put the things together. And for me, he has stolen them. And Isabel, she is, like I said, she really is angry. And I just love, the conversation is hilarious. Isabel, she says, things, things, things. I don't understand your position. Are you saying he's justified in stealing my possessions? Or do you not believe he took them? I'm saying you put too much importance on material objects and not enough on justice. Oh, really? I wonder you don't just set fire to the abbey and dance round it, painted with woad and howling. I might, if it would do any good. I just, I love it. But then, Sprite is coming and he has found the little Netsuki where actually he fell into the bucket of the maid and so you see that Violet's like oh, oh she doesn't know what to say at first like well I'm relieved you know and Isabel she has to go away and say oh relieved or irritated you know now you're not going to apologize it's like no I mean he might have not taken this but the knife is still missing and Isabel she's like okay I can't like this is too much and she says how you hate to be wrong I wouldn't know I'm not familiar with the sensation and so Violet is still like, you know, maybe he has not stolen that, but he certainly took the knife because my knife is missing. Even when you see that she wants to prove that she's wrong. I think this is what she wants. It's not even just where well, it's justice for, you know, young people. I think it's also the fact that she wants to prove Violet that she's wrong. And so then you see Isabel outside the Dower house and you see a car leaving with Violet in it. And you see that actually she has waited for Violet to leave to go there. And so... Obviously, Sprite is like, but her ladyship is not here. It's like, oh, oh, that's too bad. And when she is supposed to leave, she says that she feels a bit dizzy. And she asks if she can just, you know, sit down a minute. Where we saw that it was completely acted, that she doesn't feel dizzy at all. But since Sprite is a bit of a snob, you know, because Isabel is a kind of a friend of her ladyship. like, yes, obviously, come in. Like, do you need anything? And so then she is left alone in the drawing room. And she is searching the room. And when she sits on the chair and she finds the pepper knife. I just love her reaction when she finds it. And she says, Eureka. I just love it. And so then she rings for Sprat and she says, well, I, you know, I'm feeling much better. I'm going home. Oh, but I found this. And Sprat's like, oh, she would be relieved because she was looking for it. And just so when Isabel said, I hope she will be. I'm not sure she will, but I hope she will be. I just love it because it's really like I want to prove Violet that she's wrong. Like I just I really love it. They're really funny. 
And actually, <laughs> Isabel and Dr. Clarkson are coming at the Dower House. And Dr. Clarkson, first, he sees that Violet has already changed for dinner. He's like, oh my God, um, we're going to come back tomorrow. Like, no, it's not proper. And Violet's like, oh no, like, I mean, I'm too curious. Like, you can't just come back. You have to tell me why you're here. And Isabel says, well, did Sprite give you the paper knife? So, you know, I'm going to deny it that you were wrong. And that's why when she makes her whole speech, you have to look at Clarkson. His reaction, I just priceless. Like he's rolling his eyes like, oh my God. <laughs> I just love him because you see that he doesn't really know where to stand between those two. It's just so funny. And then actually, Violet, she rings for Sprat and she asks if young Peg can come to the drawing room. Isabel's reaction. She's like, what? And so Peg is here. And I just uh, also Sprat when she's like, you want him to come to the drawing room? And Violet's like, you know what? Ask him to remove his boots if, you know, it would please you. Like, because, you know, I think Sprite is a bit like, um, I mean, he's going to bring dirt into the drawing room. Like, it's not possible. And I just love that he actually asked him to remove his boots. Like, I just, I really love Sprite. Actually, Sprite is also a drama queen. Like Carson, you know, <laughs> just love him. And so then Peg says that Violet asked Peg to come. And she said that she thought he was a thief, but she was mistaken. And she hoped he could forgive her. And if he wanted to go back to work, and he says, well, I have forgiven her because I'm happy to work here. And so then Isabel, she doesn't know what to say because she was so proud to say, you know, that you were wrong and stuff, that the fact that Violet realized herself that she was wrong and that she apologized, she doesn't know what to say. And I think she's annoyed by that. And that's just when Clarkson says, well, I think it's um, game set and match to Lady Grantham. Violet's smile. I just love it. Every time she wins a fight, I just, I just love it. And during dinner at the Abbey for Robert's birthday, Violet and Robert, they are talking. And Robert's like, well, I'm, I'm happy that um, Isabel is, you know, feeling much better. So she really seems to be coming out of the mist. I'm really pleased. And Violet's like, yeah, yeah, don't be too pleased because now she got back to battle. And Robert thinks it's a good thing. It's great if if she wants to fight for what she believes in. You know, she likes to do that. So it's great. <laughs> and then she's slow. And Violet says, no, like, you know, some people, they run on lust or even love, but she runs on indignation. <laughs> I just love it because we all know that actually Violet, she loves it. She loves having these little fights with her, like these little battles with her. Like We know she loves it because otherwise, I mean, what would she do? Like she would get bored. I think without Isabel so I think she really like it you know and I mean we do love that and we missed it like really I just yeah and oh my god the storyline is arriving for Isabel where Violet is also concerned it's just so so funny and I love it like I oh I can't wait bananas like I think you know which one I'm talking about I just can't wait and I just loved it I mean Claxon would be here too actually but anyway I just love it and I can't wait and yeah and I just they're so funny I love them then I just want to take like two minutes to talk about Tom a bit because you know Tom he doesn't know where he stands Tom he's really lost like since the whole Edna situation he doesn't know where he stands because if he feels it doesn't really fit in he even talked about going to America and Mary and Tom, when they are together doing God knows what for the estate, they talk about him. Like, are you really like serious about going to America? And he is. Like, it's one of his plans. And he even says, "Well, I won't go before the pigs are here." 
I just love that this is really important, you know, the pigs. But and she even says, so well, you know, we have contacts in in America because she has a grandmother and an uncle there, so we can introduce you. We're going to talk about Uncle Harold a bit later. But you see that he really wants to go. But I, I just like that he he's really torn about. I want to leave because I think my life will be better, and I think maybe my child's life will be better. But at the same time, he's like, yeah, but I like them, you know. I love them, this family, and it's my wife's family, and it's technically my daughter's family. So he's like torn. And there's a really, really adorable scene in the nursery with Isabel, Mary, and Tom. And I didn't know where to put it actually in my storylines. This scene I thought it would fit well with Tom as well. But I think it's really, really sweet because so they are waiting for children to arrive to feed them and Isabel she asked Mary about uh, Lord Gillingham because she has seen that he is engaged to be married to someone and she just hopes that Mary is okay with it and Mary's like I'm not unhappy but I'm not quite ready to be happy but I just love that because we see that Isabel she had accepted the fact that Mary will probably get married again that it's not because she's getting married again that she will forget Matthew. And I, I think it's really strong and important. And I just love that she actually cares about Mary because at the beginning she didn't care about her. So I think it's really sweet. And then they talk about love. Like she says that she married her husband because she was in love with him. And they talk about love and all of them. And you realize that they have that thing in common. They're all married for love and their loved one is dead. And it's really, really sweet and moving. And I just love when Isabel says, well, aren't we the lucky ones? Like, yes, they are dead, but at least we have really good memories and we were in love. Like we have known what love is. And I really love this. And I think it's really, really sweet. And actually, I put it with Tom because I absolutely adore Isabel and Tom's relationship. Like, I feel like Isabel is probably, now she's the link between Tom and the family in a way because she is not like the family. Like, she doesn't have the same ideas. She doesn't have the same background. But she is not like Tom. You know, Tom, he was a chauffeur and an Irish chauffeur. I mean, he still is Irish, but he's not a chauffeur anymore. And so I think, like, she's kind of is the link between them in a way. And I love their relationship. Um, and during dinner, actually, she asked him if he's really serious about you know him going to America and he says yes because he would never fit in here and I love the fact that Isabel who is not the biggest fan of the Abbey and not the family in a way not as individuals but what they represent says that she doesn't know like why I mean you know do not feel good here he says no I, I really love them but I cannot make a life here like there would be no other earl's daughter who would like take me as a husband because well no one would be as free as my Sybil and I love when he says that and so we're like no I can't disagree with that like you know they both knew Sybil yeah I don't think there's a lot of people what well, people maybe but not from the aristocracy and I just love when it's basically you know maybe you should think about it again take time to think about it and I just love that she wants him to stay because she thinks that he can make a life I don't know I think it's really sweet um I really like their relationship and then they dance together and I just love when he says, well, it's a bit wild, you know, jazz at downtown. And I just love when Isabel says, you know, there are things that are happening now at downtown that we never thought would have happened in like a couple of years ago. So, you know, everything is possible. I really love it. And I love the fact that they dance together like the whole night because when they are dancing, first Robert dances with Cora, obviously. And so Tommy dances with Isabel. But when Robert and Mary are dancing, 
Tommy still dances with Isabel. So I really do love their relationship because I think she's the one that understands him the most. Like she understands where he stands because in a way she was a bit of an, an outsider. Matthew was a bit of an outsider too. So it's not in the same level, but I think she understands him and I really love their relationship. And we see actually the relationship goes on and I really like it. Like I really do love them together. I think this is a really underrated relationship. I really do love their relationship. I think I said that for almost every relationship on this show. I'm like, I love their relationship. But yeah, it's true. It's a really under underrated relationship, I think, Tom and Isabel. And I absolutely love it. Now, actually, it's weird, but it's a story and I quite like. I told you that Mary and Twinkingham was not my thing. But now we're going to talk about Mary, Evelyn Napier and Charles Blake. And this actually I really like. You know that Evelyn came back. And he said that he was doing a report about um, how estates like Downton went wrong with his boss, Charles Blake. And so actually Mary and Cora invited both of them um, to stay at the Abbey because where they're going to do their report. I mean, like it's like Downton, it's like in the center of everything. So it's easier for them to stay there, like to do their work. But did he, he didn't want it at first, but Mary insisted. And so Mary, she's taking breakfast in her room, as usual. And she's with Anna and she had a letter from Evelyn Napier. Evelyn asked her if she was serious about them staying here. And she's, obviously she's serious because she actually wants to have some advices or she just wants them to tell her that Downton is safe in a way. Because I think we know that Downton now is not going wrong because I think they have taken good decisions. But, you know, you might never know. Like the pigs. You know, they want to have pigs at Downton. And at breakfast, actually, Robert, Tom and Rose, they talk about the pigs because they're going to have pigs. Like, I've forgotten the names, but apparently Shrimpy, Adam Adonigo, like, you know, he swears by them. And so they're like, this is a big step. Like, it's good, it's what we need to do, but it's a big step, the pigs. And then we learn that when Mary is with Anna again in her room, that apparently Evelyn and Charles Blake will be here for Robert's birthday. What a great introduction. You know? <laughs> I just love how you will see sometimes when they have party, like, you know, it's Robert's birthday. So like it's a bit intimate, like we invite friends and stuff. But there are always people crashing in, you know, like when we have Cobra's anniversary, you will have people literally crashing in. Like, why are you here? It's yeah, <laughs> it's very funny. So, yeah, they're here for Robert's birthday. Yay. <laughs> and they arrive. And oh my god i just love their arrival like because what i love and i think even sad is that evelyn he's happy to be at downton he's really happy i think he loves downton also like the, the place but he loves mary but what i loved also is that you see that cora she really likes evelyn and she feels sorry for him because she knows he likes mary but she also knows that mary she doesn't like him like that. Like, she would never marry him. So you see that she almost feels sorry for him the whole time. <laughs> but then, so they arrive. And instantly, it's Mary versus Charles Blake. Like, really. Because at first, she's really nice. And she says, well, you here to help them. It's like, mm, not really. Like, the whole point of it is that, like, maybe they care about food supply and stuff. Like, they don't really care about the owners. But, like, how much it costs to have the estate and why it was it has gone wrong and what they could have done to make it like not gone wrong and if it's worth it to keep this going like because of the money and stuff it's well it's a bit more complicated but anyway the only thing that mary got was like you don't care about the owners 
And she's like, okay, I don't like this man. <laughs> Just so how Cora and Evelyn are next. Like, they really look at that. Like, it's really like a um, ping pong game. Like, <laughs> look at it. <laughs> you see that she looks at Evelyn like, okay, I think your friend and Mary is not going to be like, uh, they're not going to be best friends. <laughs> and I went then, so Edith and Rose and Robert are coming to say hello. I just love how Evelyn he tries to, you know, a bit like lighten up the mood. <laughs> Obviously, it doesn't really work. <laughs> But I just love when Robert arrives and he hears Mary speaks to Blake. Like when say, well, it's, you know, Robert's birthday. And Mary says, So you must try to be witty tonight, Mr. Blake. After that, we'll lower our expectations. When she says that, Robert's face, like, what happened? Like, you know, the, they literally have met two seconds ago. What happened? And Cora, Cora, Robert's reaction. I just, I wish we could have a, a conversation between Cora and Robert. You know, because technically, if it's Robert's birthday tonight, we have a Cobert scene, but they don't talk about that. But I wish we could have that because this is funny. They have different reaction to the situation, but I just love it. Like Robert's like, what happened? And Chris is like, please, Mary, like try to be nice. And Mary's like, I don't like him. I just love it. And so then during dinner, Mary and Blake are next to each other. And really, it's it's like a ping pong game. Like it's one to go and say something. It's like who will have the last word and Evelyn and Cora next to each other I really do love their relationship because I really do feel that Cora she knows that he likes Mary but she also knows that he would never be possible marrying him and so I think she feels a bit sorry for him but she likes him as well because he's nice you know because he said to her episode three so the last time we actually saw him not where we saw him last episode but like you know episode three of season one when he said that um, he thinks that his future wife should find him interesting or something like that you know they had a little exchange that i think was really sweet anyway but so they talk about like and she says oh you think that mary's going to take charge and i just love evelyn who says well she's welcome to take charge of me <laughs> like the guy he's desperate and just chorus reaction like oh my poor little Evelyn like it's never going to happen like it's funny but I do feel sorry for Evelyn because yeah it's been 10 years you need to let go Evelyn like really and then so during like the dance Mary she talks about Blake with Evelyn she's like why have brought an enemy like he really doesn't care about us at all you see she's angry like you could feel it and I just love her so Evelyn with Violet like I think it's quite funny I just someone says do you think any of them have an idea of what the other is playing and Evelyn's just like uh what <laughs> and they dance together I think this is really cool as well like they dance together I think this is sweet but then Blake and Evelyn they talk together and Blake he says that he doesn't like Mary because she actually is the Irish request that he doesn't like the one that I think they were born like that so they deserve everything on the plate and they don't want to work for it which is exactly how Robert and his uh, before him kind of worked before like they didn't really work to deserve what they have I think that's the thing I think what Charles Blake wants is not for the aristocrats to lose their estates it's just for them to know that it is worth it to work on it like to deserve it in a way and this is actually quite interesting because this is not Mary at all Mary she has a very snobbish personality but Downton, since Matthew arrived on it, and since now Matthew is dead, she really wants to work on it because she realized that she wants to build something that we lost. So it's funny that he thinks that about her because she really wants to fight for it to last. So it's not what, she's not what Blake thinks she is, but she has this really snobbish personality. That is true. But I just love Evelyn, how he's a bit fed up by him saying 
bad things about Mary because, you know, he's in love with Mary. And just love when he says, you know, she feels much the same about you. But like his face, you know, usually Evelyn, he's not, he doesn't look a bit angry. And that time he looks angry a bit. So like, whoa, okay. Like, don't touch Mary. <laughs> anyway, I just love him. I really love this storyline because the whole thing, Mary and her sutures is a bit boring, but actually her only boring suture is Tony Gilligan. And now, no Tony Gilligan. So I like it. I really do love Charles Blake and you know how much I love Evelyn Napier. So yeah, now it's time for my music of the day. And it's where well, you have to take it like it's second degrees. Like you have, it's very funny. Like it's, it's a bit of a joke, but it's the thought I had, the Mary versus Blake. And it could also a bit work for the beginning of next episode. Because, you know, they will still be one against each other. Like I said, you have to take it as a kind of a joke. Like, it's funny. And it's lighter. But to be honest, after what we've been through with Anna, you know, I needed a bit of cheering up. Okay. You are somebody that I don't know. But you're taking shots at me like it's Patron. And I'm just like, damn. It's 7 a.m. Self-expression, but I've learned a lesson that's stressing and obsessing about somebody else is no fun. And snakes and stones never broke my bones, so. So that was You Need to Calm Down by Taylor Swift. And it's a kind of funny way to say that's what Mary thinks about Blake. Like, you need to calm down. And I think it's very Mary to say, can you just not step on my gown? Like, you know, don't forget that I am Lady Mary Crawley. So, you know, I don't know if I was kind of funny. And I wanted something funny. So, yeah. But that's not the end. I mean, really, I just, I don't know why I love this. But I really do. Maybe it's just because the feeling, the vibe is so much better than when Tony was here. You know, then I'm happy. And I can't wait actually for what will happen next episode. Bananas. Let's talk a bit about Miss Baxter. But it's quite complicated because Miss Baxter and Thomas, it involves also Anna and Bates and Rose. So let's just set a bit like their situation. Because Baxter, well, she's still being blackmailed by Thomas. No, he wants to know everything actually that is said in Cora's room. Well, because before Miss O'Brien was an ally, and now he actually wants to control her. And we know, we understand that he has something against her. Like he's literally blackmailing her. Like it's thanks to him that she's here and she's grateful. We don't know why yet, but you see that he has something against her. So he wants to know what happens. And so in all this, like I said, they talk about Rose and Anna and Bates because Rose apparently shares a secret from Mrs. Hughes and he wants to know what it is and if it's going to affect them. Actually, I think the whole thing he wants to know is when they're going to get rid of people because he's not stupid. You know that he's not really loved in the house and that an under butler is not like something usual now these days so he knows that if they have to get rid of people he might be the first one to leave so that's why he wants to know everything that's happening in Cora's room what, what is said you know because she talks with Robert she talks with everyone and so you know he wants to know but you see that 
back to she feels bad about all this because she has a nice relationship with Cora. There's just a scene where Cora says that she will have to get dressed before the gong because she has a committee meeting and then they're all going to dine together. And she says even to Baxter that she could choose what she has to wear. But you see, like, it's very nice and sweet. Like it feels so nice to see that after Edna <laughs> and O'Brien. You know, you see there's a nice relationship and that they both like each other. And even Baxter, she says to Thomas that, yes, she knew like the condition like when she had the job but Cora she says she's polite she's considerate she does not deserve it because maybe she worked for people that were not maybe nice or I don't know like if it was not a really nice person she would say okay I don't care but like she's like but she is really nice like you know she doesn't deserve me to tell tales about like to tell her secrets in a way because we know that there has to be kind of a relationship of trust between ladies maids and well between lady and ladies maids and a uh, lord and valet because they are the ones that know the more intimate stuff you know and so yeah but she tells him about what she heard when mary talked with cora about bates and anna but she doesn't know more about it but she told him what she heard so now let's talk about bates and anna anna when at the beginning of the episode when she is in mary's room mary says that she's glad that she's feeling better She's also glad that she moved back to the cottage. She's happy that it's resolved. But it's not completely resolved and Batesy cannot stop thinking about it, which I can understand. But Anna, she is torn because she can't stop thinking about it as well, but she doesn't want him to think about it. Like, because they're still trapped in all this and they want to move on, but it's difficult to move on if where well, he can stop thinking about it. But then she says that they could go on a date. Like, it's been a while and maybe can do them good after everything that happened. And when together in the cottage, it's really sad and sweet at the same time because she knows that it can't be like before, but she wants to make new memories, good memories, happy ones. And he's very sweet and romantic based. I love when he says, you know, that I'm happy whenever I look at you. Like, she's sweet. And she's just afraid that they could never let that behind them, you know. Which, again, it happened not that long ago. And obviously, it's going to be hard, but I just love that. They want to try. And I love this shot, like the, the last shot of this scene when like he has lit a lamp and just like the um, light that comes out of it and them two being seen like um, opposite each other and holding hands. I just love that shot. I think it's very beautiful because she says, you know, everything is shadowed in a relationship. And I just love that when they're in the shadow, but you have this light, like it's hope. I don't know, maybe just me that <laughs> imagine things. But I think it's a nice shot to kind of represent where they are actually but in their relationship the fact that he's the one that has lit the lamp like he tries to bring oh my god i'm i'm really going far but i just like the idea of them being the shadow her saying that everything is shadow but they still have this light you know that means hope and they can maybe uh, move forward you know and move on from that anyway but so she says to mary that she has booked something and that they're going to dying somewhere fancy and i just love that mary she's happy that you know everything seems right again and oh my god this scene is just amazing i love this scene so they go into this fancy hotel and the guy can't find their reservation but if you look in the background there's cora and the moment they arrive she looks at them well that's how he feels like wait like she looks at them and they're sure, like, said, we made the booking. And the guy's like, no, yeah, maybe then because, you know, we, we are quite full tonight. The Countess of Grantham is here. Like, I think he's just, he doesn't want them because he realized that they're not from the aristocracy. Like, they're no ones in a way. And so he's like, you can't come. 
And so they're like, Lady Grantham. And what I love is Anna, she doesn't feel comfortable. But Bates, he's smiling. It's like, well, Bates is in a way saying, well, I know Lady Grantham. But like more in, um, you know, like I have connection. And Anna is like, yes, we know. But she's like uncomfortable. And then Cora arrives and she says that she knows them. And the guy is like, oh. And Bates actually plays with the situation. So, well, apparently there's a trouble with the reservation, you know. And Cora's like, well, I'm sure it could be sorted out. And obviously the guy's like, well, yes, in a jiffy. Like, I'm going to sort it out. And Cora, she's happy because she knows that she made a difference because of who she is. She's not stupid. And Bates, he's smirking. He's actually really pleased about what is happening. Anna, she's very uncomfortable. She's like, we didn't thought that. We never said, I'm sure not. Cora, she is not stupid. She, she doesn't think that they played on the fact that they didn't know her. But like, she's like, but you know, don't spoil the effect now. I mean, the guy is a snob and he works, so, you know. And Bates, I just love how he's smirking. I just love it. I think it's very funny. And so in the end where they have a table and just like when they're at the table, the guy's like, you know, sorry, it would never happen again. And Bates, he gives him his cane. Like Bates in this scene, he just cracks me up. I think it's very funny. And I love it because you have Anna really being really bad because she absolutely never in her life would have acted on the way that she knows. I think she won't never even act on the way that she knows Lady Mary. But Bates, he was like, <laughs> I mean... Bates was enjoying himself like I just love it it's very nice but then so they finish dinner and Bates tries to stay positive and says um let's drink to us and and I said I'm so sorry I, I was a fool to thought that we could just leave it all behind and not think about what happened actually the thing that Bates is thinking is what I already told you but it's just he what he even says when I think about what happened to you I want to murder so and I, you're like you were right not tell him who did it because uh yeah and he's like, but I'm not a victim. I don't want you to see me as a victim. And he's like, no, he's just, he's angry with himself because he said, I should have protected you. And he didn't. And at that moment, Cora interrupts because she says, well, you know, she has a car to go home. So she asks him if they want to lift home. And so they go with her. She senses there's something. But I just love how she doesn't really want to make people uncomfortable. Like she, usually Cora, she always uses humor to try to not make people uncomfortable or even when she is uncomfortable she always uses humor but you see that she has sensed that there is something because then when she's home mary is in her room and they talk and mary even says it was nice of you to give them a lift home she's like well i was glad to i mean she's so sweet but anyway mary saying it was nice of her but cora is nice so yeah but then she says that she thinks something has gone wrong between them two and I just thought it's not just a marriage gone sour, like there's something, like Hannah's been hurt and Bates felt that he should have protected her. And obviously Baxter is here and we see that she has listened to all that and Cora even says, I don't want anything to get out of this room, obviously. But I just love that she says that to Mary because she's worried, like they are both worried and I think it's really sweet because it reminds me, you know, when Anna was attacked and like, they realised that something was like not right. Um, I think it's, yeah, kind of enduring that they actually care and the fact that she actually talks, I think she talks about it with Mary because Mary, Anna is her lady's mate, so maybe she can, you know, ask if there is something. I don't know. I think it's sweet that they care, you know, anyway. But so, like I said, uh, Baxter, she heard it and she said it to uh, Thomas, uh, but she doesn't know what happened, but something happened, but they don't know what and i think you can see especially in the next episode we're going to play then but that baxter she is uncomfortable seeing that because of exactly i think because exactly what cora said no it's not just a marriage gone sour like she has been hurt somehow 
and he felt he should have protected her. So this is serious. It's not just we don't love each other anymore or he cheated on me or something like that. I mean, that is serious too. But, you know, it's um, I think that's what makes her even more uncomfortable. It's the what she says. Because I think just saying that Rosa has a secret, like, yeah, okay. But that is much more important. And I think you feel that she's like Tom because she likes this job. And at the same time, she feels like she has to say Thomas because obviously he has something against her that will maybe make her lose her job. But at the same time, she's like, I like this job. I like her. And so she feels bad because she's like, I'm betraying her. So yeah, again, complicated. But I like Baxter. And about Bates and Anna, I think they're going to be all right because they both want it to be all right. You know, that they both want to work on their relationship in a way forward. Like they're going to be all right. So I think they're going to be, you know, and they're not my favorite couple, you know, but I really like them. And I feel bad for both of them because um, she doesn't want him to keep thinking about it and think that he should have protected her, but he can't stop about anything else, which I can understand. And so they're kind of stuck in this, but I like them. And I think it's weird that the others are worried and are concerned for them. And now, finally... (laughs) Let's talk about Robert's birthday <laughs> and Rose. Because remember when Rose, she said that she might have an idea for Robert's birthday for a surprise. And in the beginning of the episode, she comes to Cora's room, talk about the surprise, but she doesn't want to say to Cora what it is. So Cora, she's like, I don't know, good. What am I supposed to say? You're like, like yes, uh, but she needs apparently Carson to keep a secret. And Cora's like, well, Mrs. Seuss is the one for a secret. So even her, she always, she knows that don't take us. <laughs> Mrs. Seuss. And we all know, like, she's right. Mrs. Seuss is the one for a secret. I think she knows secrets from everybody in this house. I think if Mrs. Seuss had to write her memoirs, I mean, I hope she would never do because she could say some things like, yeah, that could be funny though, you know, <laughs> because I mean, yeah, she knows a lot of stuff. Obviously, Baxter was here, so she heard. So she talked about it with Thomas, but she doesn't know what it is. Just Rose has a secret that she wants Mrs. Hughes to keep. So Rose, she is with Mrs. Hughes, and she says that there is a band coming. Obviously, we know which band it is. And so she says that uh, her ladyship knows that Mrs. Hughes is helping her, but she doesn't know what it is. But then Mrs. Hughes, she accepts. I just love her reaction, like, a band, okay, and I have to take care of them, like, but I think Rose is so sweet. Like she just, you just need to keep them with you until you know we're in the dining room, and then they can get ready. And hey, surprise! But Mrs. she accepts, but she can't even say no in a way. But yeah, and then Thomas he tries to know what the secret is. He comes to Mrs. Hughes and says, "Well, I wonder why Lady Rose uh, was down here." <laughs> Mrs. Hughes, I think she takes great pleasure playing with him, and she says, "Well, and I'm afraid you will continue to worry, Mr. Barrow." And then. Thomas, he says. It's very mysterious, Mrs. Hughes. You know me, Mr. Barrow. A woman of mystery, if ever there was one. I just love how she plays with him because he says, well, it can't affect us. Like, well, I wouldn't be too sure, you know. It's like, oh, you got me worried. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Like, I just love how, because yes, it will affect them. But she knows that when he asks that, it's not affect them in that way. Like, it's really affect them. Maybe, you know, they're going to let go of people like that way affect them and she knows exactly i think what he means but she just loves to play with him and i think it's very funny and so after dinner robert he comes in the drawing room so apparently he was out in london all day and 
Okay, just gonna say something. He looked very, very smart. I don't really understand where he was and what he did. But when he uh, was at breakfast that morning, they always had nice soup. But he looked really smart, like really nice. And so he arrived after dinner because he took the train and he ate on the train and everything. So he arrived after dinner. But what I love is when he arrives in the drawing room, everyone, like the first people that he literally come across, you have Tom and Mary and Rose, but he comes straight to Cora. I think it's really sweet. Yes. Okay. It's a tiny thing, but I know me like little details. So I come straight to kiss Cora and I think it's very, very sweet. But apparently Robert, he knows about the dinner for his birthday. And I just love like this conversation because I just love how he casually brings it up when he says, How's my birthday dinner coming on? How do you know about the dinner? The Coldhursts rang yesterday and said they'd love to come. Weren't we all sworn to secrecy? God, people are so hopeless. I don't mind. It won't spoil it if it's not a surprise. Not for me. There may still be a surprise. So I should hope. I think my favorite is Cora's reaction. <laughs> I just love it. I think it's very funny. And so it's time for my French word of the day. And because it's Robert's birthday, I decided to give you the word birthday. And so in French, it is anniversaire. It's masculine, so we say un anniversaire. And it's written A-N-N-I-B-E-R-S-A-I-R-E. And actually, in French, we use the same word for birthday and anniversary. So, yeah, so when we're going to celebrate Cobra's anniversary, in French, you would say also l'anniversaire. And you would add the mariage, so wedding anniversary. So, you know, you know what you're talking about. But yeah, anyway, so birthday and anniversary in French is un anniversaire. And I would need also your thoughts about Robert's birthday like when it is but I will talk about it I think not in the next episode but the one after that I'm teasing you things I will talk about in the next episode I think I'm, I'm probably going to talk about it in episode 8 probably I don't want to spoil things that will happen so yeah but stay tuned so Robert's birthday you know there's a surprise and then Rose comes in the seventh form and she's here to say what is going to happen and I just love when she says Mrs. You might have told you and she's like well, I haven't told them yet and Carson's look like what uh, excuse me what were you supposed to say that you haven't said like uh, why is happening and so she tells him about the surprise and I love their reaction like a band like from a nightclub like they're happy and their reaction I just saw when she says I know that singers is not you know what you usually do like take care of singers and musicians but and Carson like oh you know we may be countrymen but we know a bit of a life in the city <laughs> when Jack Ross arrives their reaction Carson he looks he said he was going to faint really <laughs> it is priceless I adore their reaction it is so funny and then I love when Jack and Carson are talking I never thought about going to Africa. <laughs> I just thought because Jack knows exactly why he says that. I said, why would I do that? You know, I'm English just like you. I think it's very, very funny. Yeah, and then they even talk about Rose. Say, well, you know, she's quite a character. <laughs> and it's just like, well, that's one word for her. But I just love it because you see he's very charming. Like even the maids are charmed because obviously he's black. So there's an issue. But he's a very charming person. Like he's nice. He's polite very charming so you might overlook the fact that he's black you know because in the end most of them are like once the first shocked of oh my god he's black like oh you know he 
he's nice. No, even Mrs. Hughes, she's like, no, he's nice. So I think, yeah, but he's, he really, I think he has a lot of charm. I really like him. And then, so it's the dinner and, oh my God, I just love it. So Cora, she is ready to say, you know, that we're going through, like, that they're going to split. And Rose like, no, we're not splitting tonight. And so she rushed into the, the hall to uh, make them start the music. And she, she's so, I just love it because she's so pleased about her surprise for Robert. Robert is pleased. And I just love when she drags Robert to the hall, like they really are running. And Robert's reaction, he's like, oh my God. <laughs> and so when Cora, when she comes, she is, I love how she looks because she is surprised, but not like badly, like the first look Robert had, like, oh my God. She's like, wow. <laughs> but I love when then she looks at Robert, like, how are you feeling about that? <laughs> Because I think maybe from all of them, because she lived in America, she would be less shocked about seeing a black singer in her house. Because it feels like she must have been in contact with more black than maybe they had. Because we have never seen a black person on Downton until Jack Ross arrived, right? Because obviously, well, America, we know. But if you have seen The Gilded Age, in terms of um, timeline, we know that when, I think The Gilded Age is 1892, and we know that Cora was still in America back then so she have seen and have come across black people so I think she would be obviously less shocked about that than the rest of them but I just love also when she looks at Robert like to check you know if he's all right but then you know I think like a lot of people I think Robert is really like you know if he even talked with the guy he would be at first oh my god he's black and then actually he's quite nice you know what I mean and then he doesn't want also to I think spoil Rose's surprise because she's really pleased by her surprise. And I think it, it, it's fun. I mean, okay, he's black, but the music is fun. So, and then, you know, if he can dance with Cora, actually, he's happy. So he go and dance with Cora. And I want to talk about Edith's reaction because of both think that it was very, very snob of her. And I have a theory about why she reacted this way. She, she said, is it suitable for Rose to have uh, brought that man here? Like, you feel that like she's like, no, because his black is not supposed to be here. Like she did something, like Ruth did something that was not suitable, that she was not supposed to do. And Violet was saying, you know, let, try let your time in London like uh, rub off on you or something like that. And a part of me thinks that, I don't think that Edith is snob, not at that moment, but I think she's shocked that Rose would get away with it for bringing a black man at Downton. Because at that moment, I think she is in a phase of, she now is pregnant without being married. So she did something that is not suitable, technically, you know, because she uh, slept with a man before she got married. And I think because she did that and she knows that society will not be kind on her. And she even thinks maybe her family will not be kind to her after that. That when Rose does something that is not uh, suitable, I mean, Rose does a lot of things that, and she did a lot of things that are not suitable, and now she can get away with it so easily. She feels a bit bad. I don't know if you understand what I mean, but after watching the episode several times, I realized that maybe it's not just about being snob, like, oh my God, he's black. I mean, she was in London. She works with a newspaper. So I don't think it's that. It's more the fact that she brought him here without even saying a word to anyone so no one could have approved and I think it's more that that she got away with it and she's something not suitable Well, she is kind of stuck in a situation that is definitely not suitable I don't even know if what I say makes sense but tell me I would love actually to talk about that with you because I always thought that her reaction was quite peculiar and that's the that's actually only excuse that I have found about this really is the only 
nothing I could find to explain her reaction. So yeah, tell me what you think about it. And another thing, actually, if you see closely, Rose, Cora and Mary, they do not have their gloves. Because technically, when they eat, they take the gloves off and then they, they put them back on. When Rose leaves, she has the gloves in her hands, but she never put them back. But because in the rush of, you know, going to dance, I think she never put them back. And you see, when they arrived in the hall, like Edith, Violet and all the other ladies, they have their gloves on. Except Mary and Cora. And I don't know, just wanted to point that out. So yeah, it's a tiny thing with not much importance, but I just noticed that. Like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Cora, she, she couldn't have put her gloves back on because the moment that, you know, the surprise and the shock has passed, uh, Robert immediately <laughs> goes to dance with Cora. So, you know, and who cares about the gloves? But it's just, yeah, a tiny thing that I noticed. And I just love when Cora and Robert are dancing together. Like, they're so sweet and they're so happy, actually, to dance together. I think it's just so, so sweet. And I just love that downstairs, you know, and when Carson, he comes downstairs because Mrs. Hughes, she wanted to tell him that they have made sandwiches. So because they will have to stay there and serve like until like the whole thing is over. So, you know, so they could just come and go and eat something. I just love Mrs. Patmore. Like they're all at the stairs because they can hear the music. Like have Daisy and Ivy and Mrs. Hughes and they like it. But I love Mrs. Padmore, like her reaction, like she's really enjoying it. I just love it. Like she's so cute. And then Robert, he's dancing with Mary. And Mary, she thinks that it was a really nice idea for us to do that. Like it was really nice. But she said, but it must have cost you a fortune. So Robert's like, you know what? Um, maybe we should just pay it. Like ask the leader to send me the bill. She said, well, okay, I, I do that after, you know, before he leaves. And then you have... Cobert in the bedroom, obviously, talking about it. I just love it. It's nice when a birthday surprise is really a surprise. I just love it because he you know, talks about Carson that apparently said that he was a very decent fellow. Um, That's when they also talk about Edith. But I love it because Akorash is already in bed and Robert, you know, he takes off his dressing gown, which, I, you know, I like the to keep the appearances, but they all know that they sleep in the same bed. So I'm always asking myself, why does Robert put his dressing gown on and then, you know, he just walks through the door and he takes it off. Like, why? Why? Why do you do that? You know, but anyway. And I just love how Cora, she opens the bed for him, like opens the cover, like on his side. I don't know if it's how you say it, but I think it's so sweet. Like, oh. And and then, because they, they talk about Howard and we'll talk about it like at the end, but I just love when she says, Don't get riled about it now. Come to bed and dream of ragtime. If there isn't a double intender in this, I don't know. I mean, the way she looks at him, like, it's his birthday. I mean, we know some terrific thing might have happened after that scene. I'm just saying. Maybe it's stupid, but I just find it funny that Elizabeth McGovern has starred in a film called Ragtime that came out in 1982, I think. But yeah, just saying. Because if I'm not wrong, Ragtime is a genre of music that's like the ancestor in a way of jazz if i'm not wrong that was in america so obviously she would well know about it anyway <laughs> that was the tiny history part like i'm not really sure but i think it is but yeah i mean that line i mean it's cora cora and double integers like that this is her like this is her signature and like i said it's his birthday so yeah don't think they went to sleep right away just say so to end on this storyline, you know, I said it was about Robert's birthday and Rose. Well, Mary comes down 
to talk to Jack Ross. And she sees Jack and Rose kissing. And so first she announces herself a bit. She says, is someone here? Like she has seen them, but she doesn't want, she doesn't want to make them uncomfortable or something. So she just announces on herself saying, is anyone here? And she wants to tell him to send the bill to Robert. And at first, Rush doesn't want to say, no, I mean, he wants to. Your job was like to organize this prize and he will pay it. There's no need. But you see that she is uncomfortable because this is definitely not proper. There's nothing proper in it in the way that well, he's black, but also he's a band singer. So, um, yeah. Can I just say, like, Julian, Jack, really, you know, Rose and Jack, aka one of the most famous couple in cinema history seriously well we all know how that ended so yeah not really sure that this story will end in a better way well i just hope that none of them would die yeah no bananas and so just before wrapping this up i wanted to talk about this new intrigue that we had that concerns uncle harold so Cora's brother because at breakfast robert he got a letter from him and apparently he's in trouble but he doesn't really know why he speaks to him and when mary is with tom and uh they talk about you know him going to america and that they can introduce him to like her grandmother and uncle harold tom he says that uh, robert had a letter from him this morning and that he might be in trouble at first mary's like well i don't think it's you know it's too bad it's like what does sound a bit serious and so then Colbert, bedroom before the you know, dream of Ragtime line, they talk about it. And she says that she has heard and she even had a letter from her mother about this whole thing. And she says that she thinks that he might be in a deep hole. Like really this time it's a really big trouble. Like it sounds serious. And so even Robert said, well, I don't know if that is, but he was a fool to get involved, you know. But it sounds serious. So obviously they're teasing that to us in a way that we're going to heard about that again. And that's when, you know, Cora's like, wait, don't, don't think about that now and come to bed. That's basically what she says. Um, so we know the fact that they insist on that, that we're going to hear more about this Uncle Harold and this whole trouble he's in, in the next episode. Bananas. So that's it for this episode. Ooh, that's a nice episode. I'm really happy to have this one for my comeback. I feel like I had 10 comebacks since I started this podcast, but no, I'm really happy. I like this episode. There's a sweet co-routine, so obviously I'm happy. And there's no Tony Gilligan, so again, happy. Yeah, so I hope you enjoyed it. And if you have some thoughts about what I said and you want to share them with me, please do, because sometimes I just want to talk with someone about it because usually I'm all alone with my thoughts, so it's good to share them with someone. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you are well. And yeah, I will see you next week to talk about episode 7 of season 4 of Downton Abbey. And until then, stay safe, take care of yourself, and don't forget... Vive la différence! Uh-huh.